Welcome to River Edge Podcasts. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Father God, thank you for your presence here right now. Holy Spirit, thank you that we can rely on you. Holy Spirit, just move right now on each life, on each marriage, on each family, on each household. Father, I thank you the the rest that you are calling us into at this time. Thank you for the, the wave that's going across the planet. You're awakening your church once again to the, the authority, the power, the peace, the joy, the grace that you have called us to walk in, that it operates on us, in us, and through us. Holy Spirit, have your way today. As you're sitting there just right now, just say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Reveal God's Word to me today. Get ready. Get hungry. As you say it, you're agreeing with heaven that God is going to speak to you and that Scripture says that the Holy Spirit will teach you like no person can. Better than what I can, better than what the best teacher, best speaker can. So Holy Spirit, speak to us today. Reveal what we need to see today. Open our eyes, open our ears. Put it deep in the the vault of our life, a deposit, Father, a conviction. Put the concrete, the bedrock into our life in Jesus' name. We all agree on that. Say amen. Shout it out. Hallelujah. Thank you, team. Great job. Awesome job. I, um, that, it is well with your, with my soul, with your soul, I was going to say, which it is, you know, um, it's interesting when you hear, you know, you, you think, oh, that guy had it easy, you know. That's why he wrote that song. And when you hear the history of it, no, he didn't have it easy at all. Um, Each one of us goes through battles, goes through times in our life where uh, we have to rely on on something, you know, outside. And I don't know how people do it without God. I don't know how people um, exist. Like, being a Christian means that we are following Christ. We are following Jesus. It was in Antioch that they first were called Christians. Before that, they were disciples. They were believers. They were followers of Jesus. Um, And a lot of people say, oh, I'm so glad that Jesus is walking beside me. He's not. He's in front of you. You're following him. He's leading the way. He's the good shepherd. He's leading the way. Um, And you are a follower of Jesus. And what you're following, you're meant to look like. So you're looking like Jesus today. So good to have you here. Today, we're going to continue on with um, just talking about foundations of rest. And I'm loving getting into this at the moment. I really am. And it's so cool listening to podcasts of other um, churches and that and, and hearing what God is saying to the church, what the Spirit is saying to the church at the moment. And there is a call for the church to awaken where sin abounds, the grace of God abounds all the more. That's the King James Version. And I'm so glad that in a, a time where we are seeing the world really struggling with brokenness, struggling with uh, loss of identity, struggling with the con, the busyness, the, the corruption of life, that there is a grace rising in the church um, that I've, I've never seen in the whole time. I've been, I was born into church, uh, such a a joy for us, you know, my, my siblings um, to be born into the church, to have parents that were 
um, in ministry, to have grandparents that were in ministry, to have great-grandparents that took a stand and said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Uh, we've got uncles and aunties that have been in ministry and and that's not because we're special. That's just because that's the pattern that God uses. If you actually read scripture, it says, you know, prophesy over your children and they will prophesy over their children and they will prophesy over their children. It's meant to be a generational thing. And so grab hold of it, apply it now. If you say, but my parents weren't followers of Christ, you are starting a brand new generation. Oh, come on. That is exciting. That is exciting. And um, prophesy into that. Oh, yeah. Prophesy isn't just talking about, um, you know, what's going to happen in the future. It's actually speaking kingdom on earth. You know, kingdom on earth. And so, oh, I'm getting ahead of myself here. I've got a really exciting word. I I just want to recap um, what we've been talking about. Last week, I had a message called Fight to Rest, which sounds so bizarre, doesn't it? But Fight to Rest. Where's, I've got some props here. Oh, yeah, they, they found them for me. Oh, need that. We couldn't find the shield? No shield. That's the one thing I needed. Didn't really need the other things, but I, I, I don't want to, Lee's not here, Lee Cubitt, this is his helmet. And um, it's like a fair dinkum real helmet. It's even got the little, I don't know, what do you call that? A duvet. It's like a little doona. Hey, the thing is, I make this look good. (laughs) So I'm just going to prop it up here. Oh, no one got that. I'm going to prop this up here. I don't want to touch it because he's just polished it. And um, and, um, just a guy um, put it on once. He, He just polished it and got it and... This guy put it on, and the, the fella had been eating KFC, and the oils and everything just ate into it. And there's actually still fingerprints that he can't get out. Where the and he's like, a, he's a jeweler. If you want some great jewelry made, um, go and see Lee Cubitt in town. He's not here, so I can just tell you he's fantastic. Like um, my wife took her engagement ring and her wedding ring in there. You know how precious those things are. Who's got their engagement ring? You know, you've been married for a long time. Got your engagement ring still? Ladies. Adrian's looking at his hands. Ladies, you know. Well, my wife, it was so precious to her. She said, can you just chop these rings up and make a new one out of it? You know how hard it was for me to find some good rings? And she just goes, Lee, chop my... But he really made an amazing thing out of it. So... Today, I just want to continue on the fight to enter rest. Now, that sounds like a bit of a, an oxymoron. Like, how do you, why should you fight to enter rest? Well, there's a battle on. There's actually a battle for your attention. There's a battle for your peace. There's a battle for your joy. And um, God has given us keys. He's given us weaponry for us to actually bring heaven on earth. See, salvation and wholeness, what Jesus did, wasn't just for us that when we leave the planet, we go to heaven. It's actually for us to be a conduit of bringing heaven to earth. That we live in eternity now. Jesus said, you know, the kingdom of heaven is near. And it, it actually arrived when he died and the, and the veil was torn. Heaven is open to you right now. 
open to you right now. Talking about life groups, we weren't, but speaking of sharks, um, <laughs> life groups are on. We, we've, we've been talking about life groups and I had some people say, oh, look, I've done life groups in the past, you know, I don't really like life groups. And I'm saying, look, our life groups, we are modelling them like the first century church. We want them to be a comfortable place where you come along and we, you have a meal. And, and that's what they did. They, they broke bread. They met together regularly, it says, and they broke bread. They had a meal, including the Lord's Supper. So we actually have the Lord's Supper. We have communion um, at life groups. So we have communion at life groups twice a month, and we have communion in church twice a month. So we, we actually have communion um, every week at some point. So a lot of people say, I don't have time for life groups. Well, we want to actually not refine it down, but we've, we've now listening to, um, we had a prophetic voice come to church um, in February, and that was Steve McCracken, and he spoke to our life groups, and he said, guys, this is what I've got from God. Pray boldly, pray tenderly, and empower to pray. That were the three things that he spoke over our life groups, and we're like, wow, okay, we're wanting to hear what God's saying to the church at the moment. So we're saying our life groups need to, to change, not be a mini church service where you, you eat a meal and then you go. But we get together, we eat a meal. So Kylie and I were talking about how are we going to do this? How are we going to get the life groups to the place where it was like the first century church? Because somehow they just <laughs> got it right. They really did. They got it right. They were led by the Spirit and they got it right. So they ate together. They prayed together. So we, we're just driving in the car and we're going, we should just like, life groups should all be about eat, pray. And Kylie goes, love. Eat, pray, love. And I'm going, that's a terrible title. Where, where would you even get that from? But that's what it is, like eat, pray, love. Not the movie, not the book, but this is actually the full essence of what God wants to do. Come along, eat, talk, communicate, and then we're going to pray. Pray together. If you need prayer or pray for somebody else, it's activating. Because Jesus said, my house will be a house of prayer. Some of us need to actually know how to pray. The disciples... They were, they were a bit thick sometimes, but there was one thing that they really asked Jesus about. How do we pray? We need to be activated prayer warriors. You need to be an activated prayer warrior. So you may don't expect somebody else to be praying on your behalf. We get calls all the time and we love it. We have a prayer team that pray. But you know what? You should be praying for your life. You should be praying for your workplace. You should be praying for your school. You need to be. God has got you here to intercede for your family, for your parents. Kids, don't just think that your parents should be praying for you. No, it's to turn the hearts of the fathers to the sons and the sons to the fathers. We should be praying for one another. And um, we want to activate prayer in a huge way in our life groups. And you might go, but that sounds a bit boring. Get on board. This is going to take off. I'm so glad that we've got Tim and Jackie Hall coming at the end of this month. Yeah. Uh, please book in because I think we're actually going to get too full. Um, we're going to reach capacity. So, yes, we've got guys coming from other churches to, to come to that as well. Fight to enter rest. Hebrews 4.9 says, There remains then a Sabbath rest. For the people of God, for anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their work, just as God did 
from his. Now that word Sabbath rests is sabbatismos. Sounds sabbatismos. Sounds like Christmas, but it's not. It's sabbatismos. It's a, it's a, um, a rec- it means a recline. So you're laying down. It's a type of heaven. So this is a very specific word. It's a heavenly atmosphere of laying down and resting. It is heaven on earth. This is the fullness of shalom, peace. That word peace, shalom is such a profound and beautiful word. It means peace in your body, peace in your soul, peace in your spirit, peace around you. Even if you're in conflict, you're carrying peace. So what it's talking about here, there's a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest. Now say God's rest. Because you'd think that God's rest and to rest are the same things, but they're not. God's rest here actually means a dwelling place, a tranquil abode, a place of living surrendered and laying down, reclining, not declining, reclining and um, in, in God. So it's a, submitting, it's a place of submission to God and it's not on the day off. This is actually where we get to live in the rest the, the tranquil abode, the lifestyle of God, so that when we're in that place, we can then rest from our work. That rest there from our work means to cease, to, um, to stop, to, to actually... Because a lot of us think, oh, yeah, I need a day off. And then you have a day off, and what happens? You get busy doing something else, don't you? Or you get distracted. And there seems to be... We don't get the full benefit of it. But what it's saying here is that God wants you to get the full benefit of this, but you won't get the full benefit of having a day off and ceasing your work unless you enter into the rest, the living place, the the surrendered to the kingdom of heaven um, rest that God wants for us. So this isn't just an easy thing to step into. Because unless we understand and accept the heavenly lifestyle that the Father set aside for us, that, that he's done through Jesus, we won't be able to truly surrender to um, having a rest that are for a day off. Because uh, like there are business, I've said this before, there are business people here that they are on call 24-7. And God is actually calling not just business owners, he's calling each one of us to a time where we set it apart and actually honor God with that day. And we focus on God in that day. Now, God, when he rested, he didn't need to rest, but he breathed in. That's what it meant. When he rested on the seventh day, for the whole six days, he was breathing out, speaking out, creation. And then on the seventh day, he breathed in. He looked at everything and said, it is beautiful. Do you know what? You need to take a day where you breathe in God. And you look around and you say, God, this is beautiful. Life is beautiful. What you've done. And you change. Because unless you enter into the rest of God, I hope I'm making sense. Are you getting this? Are you picking up what I'm putting down? That's what I want to know. Unless you enter into that, you won't get it. You'll just take a day off and you'll find something to do. But God's wanting us to change our perspective, to change our lifestyle so that we can get the full benefit of it. It takes a faith step. It's being aware and stepping into the battle um, that's before us. So we need to take up. There's three things that we take up. We take up the helmet of salvation. We take up the sword 
of the Spirit, but we also take up the shield of faith, the one thing that I don't have. <laughs> so my, the word today is faith equals rest. Faith equals rest. Faith equals rest. Hebrews 11.1 1 defines faith for us. Now faith is. I love it. It's not like faith was or faith is going to be. It's now faith is. Faith is a now thing. It doesn't go on just what's in the past and it's not like just expectation for the future. It is a now thing that you can activate now. You can immediately step into faith. Immediately. Now faith is confidence. Say confidence. In what we hope for and assurance, say assurance, about what we do not see. It's what we hope for and what we see. In, um, that's in the NIV, in the um, New American Standard. It says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. In the Amplified, it says, now faith... Is I love Amplified because it just brings out everything here so we can get a full picture. Now, faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed. Who's got the title deed for their property? I don't. My bank's got mine. I can't wait for the day where I can say, thank you very much. And now I've got the title deed. Mine's mortgaged at the moment. But this is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for being the proof of things that we do not see, but it's the conviction of their reality. Faith perceiving as real, as real fact, sorry, what is not revealed to the senses. Now, we say we don't go by feelings as, as believers. We walk by faith, but we still have feelings. Feelings are not bad. Feelings are there for a reason. But they are a great servant, terrible master. Your emotions are a, a great slave in your life. They're a good thing to use, but they're not a good master to control your life. We're not meant to be controlled by our emotions or controlled by our feelings. We need to be controlled and governed by our faith. But here, faith is actually made up of hope as well. A lot of people think that hope is like a, the poor cousin, the stepchild <laughs> to faith. But it's not. Faith and hope are the same. And, okay, look at it like, hope feels, okay? Because here, you ever, like, do you have that feeling of hope sometimes in your life? Like, okay, let's use Christmas. It's just gone. When you're a kid, you're like, oh, I'm getting presents. And you're like, yeah, yeah, good presents. And you've got this hope. You're going to get this. You're going to get that. And you've got this expectancy of hope of something good in your life. That is a great feeling. When you wake up in the morning and you feel, oh, something's going to happen today. You don't know what it is, but you're going, something good's going to happen today. And that is hope rising in your heart. That is you being aware and feeling hope. Hope feels Faith sees, faith sees, and love never fails. So the hope feels, the faith sees, and love never fails. You know how that we just sang, you know, praise the Father, Son, Spirit, you know, the, um, the song that we just sung. There are three aspects of, our, of eternity that we've got too, faith, hope, and love. Um, it actually says in... Hebrews, uh, blah, 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 blah. 
sorry, 1 Corinthians um, 13. I'm jumping forward to verse 13 here. And now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is what? Of love. Everything comes under love. God the Father is love and the Spirit and the Son submit and yield to love. Everything's filtered through that. Same with our faith and our hope is filtered and governed by love. The greatest of these is love. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. Now listen to that, especially prophecy. We'll come back to that in just a second. Ooh. I've got, ooh, yeah. Life says this to us. As humans, we're a little bit strange because hope, faith, and love are eternal elements, but we don't fully understand it. And, and as humans, we say, don't get your hopes up. Don't get your hopes up. Because why? Why do we, why do, we do that? No one wants to wake up with hopelessness. We want to be hopeful, don't we? You're like, you want to wake up and be hopeful. We're meant to be hopeful. Hope, actually, hope deferred makes, it really causes your heart to sink. But when you, if you have a hopeless perspective, oh my goodness, you see it on somebody. But somebody that's got hope, it's just amazing. Don't get your hopes up. And so that, why do we make that say? I was thinking about it. And, and it sounds like wisdom, don't get your hopes up. Because what you're doing is you're trying to prepare yourself or you're trying to soften the blow of any disappointments that might come your way. And, and it's the way that we do it because we're like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to get my hopes up because I might just be disappointed. But, um, and like Murphy's Law, if anything can go wrong, it will. That's what Murphy's Law is. Anything that can go wrong will go wrong. John, right, working on the tractors? Yeah. No, no, in Jesus' name. No, no. There's Murphy's law. Anything that goes wrong can go wrong. And then there's O'Reilly's law who says Murphy was an optimist. <laughs> it's actually based totally on fear. It's not based on faith. It's not based on hope. It's based on fear. It governs you and gets you into negative perspective. Now, the thing is that as humans, we are predominantly governed by negativity and bad news. We are drawn to it like moths to a flame. Oh my goodness. And, and you think, no, I'm not. It just seems to be that on the news is negative stuff. On social media is negative stuff. Let me explain a little bit about our world that we live in at the moment. Um, internet, everything has algorithms to it. There are mathematical um, processes and programming that what you click on and what the predominantly people click on and go to and watch, that then becomes, oh, that's attractive to people, so we'll get more of that news, we'll get more of that stuff out there. So what we're doing is we are, if you are given a, a, good, a happy story or a good story or a negative story and a bad story, we are 400% more likely to go to the negative story than we are to go to the good story. As humans, we do that. And get this, we are 500% more likely to then repeat that bad story over a good story. We are just wired for this. And the thing is that the enemy wants to take advantage of that 
and use that in our lives. But the word of God, that's Murphy's law. If anything's going to go wrong, it is going to go wrong. But what about God's law? That, that, I can make, that he makes all things work together for good for those that are in Christ Jesus who are called according to his purpose and love him. So the word of God trumps Murphy's law and O'Reilly's law every time. So what am I trying to say here? My message is based on, you know, the title is Faith Equals Rest. I've got another title for it. What do you do? (laughs) Oh, man, what's happened in the last week? What do you do when there's no flipping toilet paper? Why? There's all these guessing. There's all this... Why is everyone... Bridie rang up early in the week and she, she's over in Adelaide doing um, psychology at uni, hopefully. And she rang up and she says, Mom, I've got no toilet paper. And we're like, it's your third year. I think you can, you're, you're a big girl, got your big girl pants on. You can go and get some toilet paper. And she's going, there's no toilet paper in the whole of Adelaide. And we're like... Stupid South Australians. What are they doing? They've got no toilet paper. Um, and then we go into the stores. There's no toilet paper in Merbein. There's no toilet paper in Mildura. Everybody's gone nuts on buying toilet paper. Why? Coronavirus. Still doesn't make sense. <laughs> so they're trying to speculate why. It's all fear-based. It's totally fear-based. There is no... There's no shortage of toilet paper. The, and it, people thought that, think because a lot of our stuff comes from China, toilet paper comes from China. And because they're going to be shutting the borders with now, we've got to buy the toilet paper because I know. But then there's others that are going, no, there's no toilet paper being made in, the, in China, so I can sell toilet paper. It's the Chinese going, I can sell toilet paper to my cousins now and make lots of money. So what happens? Somebody goes in there and goes, well, there, there's not going to be any more toilet paper. Mind you, toilet paper, most of our toilet paper is made in Millicent, isn't over in South Australia. So, um, and Brett's got plenty of bamboo toilet paper if you want it. No, actually, it's really silky soft. And I'm a delicate flower. So, uh, so somebody's gone... I better get some toilet paper. And everyone else has gone, why are they buying so much toilet paper? I better get some toilet paper too because I might run out. Next thing, the whole of Australia has gone crazy in buying toilet paper because, oh, we got a shield. Did you make me a shield? Oh, it's spray painted. Oh, oh smell, smell <laughs> oh, I shouldn't have done that. That's really powerful. Shield of faith. So people have allowed fear to absolutely ignite the toilet paper in their minds when the shield of faith actually extinguishes the fiery darts. Make sure that you get fiery darts the right way around because it's diary if you don't. <laughs> hey, we're talking about toilet paper here. It's all in the same story. So this is how it works with Murphy's Law and faith in here. We say, nothing good has happened in my life for a little while. 
So I can't remember when something good happened in my life and there's nothing good happening now. I don't think anything good's going to happen. And it creates an atmosphere in your life. It creates a mindset in your, in your brain, in your thinking. And it hardwires and you start, your neurons start firing in a certain way that just starts going negative, negative, negative. Oh, I haven't had any miracles. I haven't been healed of my, you know, whatever it is that you want prayer for. And oh, I haven't had any miracles since the Bible days. And, I, and the only miracles are over in other countries. There's no miracles. We've seen miracles. We've had miracles here in church. We've seen people, you know, recover from things. And we're praying for more miracles at the moment. But we get into this mindset of, mindset of thinking there's no miracles. We can't, haven't seen any miracles. And so that means there's no more miracles. And, and, and we start thinking like this. And it's, a, it's the same thing as the toilet paper. We start going, ah, we can't do that. So we start grabbing on to things that, that we think is, is going to actually mop crap up in our life. And it's not. It's actually just causing us to be distracted from what God is actually trying to do in your life. And we're anxious about things that aren't even real, like toilet paper. No, it's very important. But the coronavirus, there's so much fear mongering around the coronavirus. And mind you, we've got to be careful. Use, you know, hand wipes and things like that. Like, I, I'm starting to think now, when we pray for people, just because we're getting into influenza season, we'd be mindful of it. If we're praying for people, laying hands on people, using some antibacterial stuff, shaking hands with people, do that. It, it's just being mindful of the season that we're coming into. It's not fear-based. It's actually being a good steward of your life. But being out of control over toilet paper, my goodness... Where, where am I going with that? Um, the law of God is more important. Jesus said, I'm not, nothing, no letter of the law is ever going to pass away. The, the, the stars are going to burn out. The earth's going to pass away before any of the law of God fails. Um, faith is so important. Having our, taking up our shield of faith is so important. Hebrews 11 says this, and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, number one, and then he rewards those who diligently seek him. Okay. Proverbs 23, 7, I'm just going to smash these out at you, says this, for as we think in our heart, we become. Gandhi said, that um, how what that which I meditate on I become other other Jesus like here in Proverbs it actually says what you think on you become what you think about in your heart you become if you if you are always negative and pessimistic in life that's what you become we're not meant to become like that at all now talking about prophecy Revelation nineteen ten says this. Um, so John is seeing this angel with this revelation of God and he bows down and starts worshipping the angel and the angel says, no, 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 worship God, don't worship me, I'm just a servant of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, the good news of Jesus. And then he says, worship God for the testimony of Jesus, talking about the victory of Jesus, talking about things that have happened good about Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Before in, in 1 Corinthians, it said, you know, love, but seek prophecy by talking about the good things about Jesus, the good things about the kingdom of heaven is actually the spirit of prophecy. You start proclaiming 
the kingdom of heaven here on earth. If you want to change the atmosphere in your home, start talking about what God has done in your life. Start talking about God did this, God did that, God's moved in this way. Don't be talking about, oh, no, nothing good's happened and, and everything bad's going. No, that's the spirit of whining. That's the spirit of, of Murphy's Law. We need to have the spirit of prophecy. It's not about just speaking about what's going to happen in the future. It's actually about proclaiming heaven here on earth. Now, Jesus, right, he takes the three disciples, um, Peter, James, and John, goes up onto the mountain. Elijah and Moses turn up. And I've got my shield here. I don't want to put it down. It's, oh, it's dry. No, it is dry. It's really fumy up here. Can anyone else smell that? <laughs> so he can't. They go up there, Elijah and Moses turns up, Jesus is transfigured on the mountain. In the meantime, there's nine other disciples down below. This guy comes to um, the disciples and says, can you please heal my son? This spirit torments him and when it comes on him, it throws him into water or tries to throw him into the fire. Jesus comes down off the mountain and there's this commotion going on. He goes over and goes, what's wrong? And the guy says, I brought my son here, but your disciples couldn't um, fix him. (laughs) Fix him. This is in uh, Matthew 17, 14. And so Jesus then said some pretty harsh things here. But when Jesus is being angry, it says Jesus got angry. It doesn't say that here. But it does say that Jesus rebuked him. But rebuke doesn't mean, oh, I'm sick and tired of... Actually, the word rebuke means to put a tax on, a value on, and say you need to increase in value. It's an interesting word. And why do I talk about words? Because we need to get a bigger perspective of the kingdom of God and a right perspective. So Jesus said to him, you unbelieving and perverse generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long will I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. Jesus rebuked the demon. This is actually a bad rebuke. Get out of him and don't come back. He said, get out of him, you deaf and dumb spirit, and don't come back. So it got out of him. The disciples then just go to him and say, why couldn't we heal him? And Jesus said, this kind only comes out through prayer and fasting. But notice Jesus didn't go, hang on, I've got to go away and pray and fast. He was in the lifestyle of rest, of praying and fasting and seeking God on a regular basis and had the authority and the miraculous um, potential right there to just say, go. So Jesus said to him, your faith was small. If you had faith like a mustard seed, you'd be able to tell a mountain to be moved and it would move and nothing would be impossible for you. I want to speak in the potential of increasing your faith here because then these disciples go, increase our faith. Show us more about this. The word small here actually means you prayed for a short time. Your faith was affected by a time barrier. You prayed for a little while for this, and when it didn't come about, you just stopped praying. When Jesus was walking on the water, and he said to, to the rest of you of little faith, he actually meant you short attention span in the faith realm. You actually diminish your, your you look at other things. You, you get distracted. So Having a look at this, um, these other words here, unbelieving. 
Because this, is, this is, sounds pretty harsh, but Jesus was only here to bring out the gold and bring out the value in these guys. He wasn't here to try and control them and, and beat them up. He was trying to speak into them to get them to rise up, to be the people that he was, God called them to be. The word unbelieving means you're, you're untrusting. You've been convinced by false arguments. You're relying purely on emotional persuasions. Oh, it didn't work. It's not going to happen. No, and it's not only that, it says you're pacified. This word unbelieving, huge word, pacified by reactionary arguments or authorities. You're pacified. Your fire of faith has been pacified by reactionary arguments. Oh, that's not going to work. That'll, that'll never happen. You Don't get your hopes up. No, get your hope up. Hope is part of faith, and faith is governed by love. Get it activated, guys. Get it activated. Start believing for some stuff in your life. If you're like, oh, I'm not believing for anything, what are you praying for at the moment? If you're going, I don't know. Get something. Start communicating with heaven. Start calling heaven on earth. Start getting that spirit of prophecy in your life. Testimony of Jesus. Now, I'm, I've, I'm running out of time, but there was a lady that I went to pray for um, when I was in Adelaide. Kylie and I went over there for a year, and we arrived at her house. She'd been told that she needed a liver transplant. They didn't tell her, though, that her enzymes were so horrific, like her readings and blood work was so terrible. They sent her home to die. They didn't expect to see her again. So we went around, my friend and I, he, um, to pray for her. I just went in, because he, he used to be a carpet salesman. I'd been a pastor here, for a, a youth pastor for a couple of years. And they said, Steve, just show him the ropes. I'm like, I don't know what the ropes are. So we went around there, and we sit down, and, and this lady looked really sick. And I said, tell us a little bit about yourself. I need to know who you are. So she starts telling us some stories. She was from Wyala and starts telling us stories about a baby of theirs that, that fell off the sofa and um, died. And they prayed for it and it came back to life. But then that baby um, through its life until it was like three years old, um, if it got bumped or knocked or fell, it would have a seizure and they didn't know what it was. And then one day when it was around three or four, they did an, um, a CAT scan over in Wyala and they found out that she, when she fell off the sofa, she actually fell onto her face and then her body fell over top. So she, uh, like a, her body landed on her, she face planted and then her body landed on top of it and it broke her neck. And so whenever she got bumped or knocked, the, she would have this seizure. And they went, whoa, she could not only just lose, be a, a, a paraplegic, sorry, a quadriplegic, she could die. So they put her on a plane, fly to Adelaide. The parents get everyone praying. They drive from Wyala. It's like a six-hour drive around to Adelaide. By the time they get there, the doctors are looking at the CAT scan from Wyala and the CAT scan that they've just taken with the MRI that they've now taken, and they're going... It's wrong. There's nothing wrong with its neck. This baby's neck is fine. So this lady keeps talking about all these miracles in her life and stuff, and things changed in that room. I'm telling you now, the atmosphere shifted because the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. She started prophesying into the atmosphere about healing, about the miraculous, about the faithfulness of God, not about it's never going to happen, I don't know what. She was meant to go home and die. The next week she came into church and she goes, I'm healed. And I went, that's fantastic. She goes, no, 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 you don't know the whole story. And she then tells us she was meant to have died within two days. 
And I'm like, wow, I really know the ropes. No. <laughs> so when she's telling these stories, I'm, I, I hit this point and I just go, you're healed. I've, <laughs> I'm not that smart, I'm telling you. I just go, there's so much faith in the room, you're healed. So we anointed with oil and she got healed. I was, um, uh, I've been listening to Bill Johnson and Bethel at the moment, and there was a guy that had kidney stones. Kylie was telling me this story. Guy that had kidney stones, and at 21, he had, had to have one of those kidneys removed because of um, just the damage because of the kidney stones, and he kept on having this, this pain. You know, I've never had kidney stones, but I've seen people that have had them. Not pleasant at all. That's why I drink gallons of water all the time. I don't ever want them. And this guy was only in his early 20s and he's having kidney stones all the time, all the time. So he went to have prayer, the kidney stones stopped. He went back to the doctor to get checked out. They did um, x-rays and they said, no, your kidneys are fine. And he goes, I've only got one kidney. And they go, no, you have two kidneys. Did that just change the atmosphere a little bit? I'm telling you now, if you start... Now, you might say, but I, I'm not seeing miracles. I'm not, I'm not hearing about miracles. Then just remember that there are miracles. Even if you don't see them, even if you don't hear about them, remember that the whole story of Jesus, the whole story of the apostles was about the miraculous. We get too much into reasoning and science and we want, well, I'll believe it when I see it. No, <laughs> believing is seeing. Not seeing is believing. So Herod, the King Herod gets all high and mighty. Soon after this, he gets eaten by worms and dies. <laughs> but he kills James, the brother of John, one of the sons of thunder, puts Peter in jail. He's tied up in jail. He's got guards around him. Not only that, he's within the, in the cell and there's guards all around. I think he had four groups of guards all watching him. But his friends are praying for him. Okay? Now remember that when Jesus said small faith, you were limited by time. You were limited by time. Your faith was limited by time. You allowed at a season. The actual definition here is um, small faith. It means puny, brief season, short, small, while. It, it means puny in duration, value, but it has a numerical value attached to it. How much do we allow time poorness to govern our prayer life when we're meant to be praying without ceasing? And that doesn't mean just praying to God. That means communicating with the Father, going to and fro with the Father. So Peter's in jail. His friends start praying for him. And they're praying, Father, release him. You know, I don't know what they're praying, but it is fervent, passionate, long prayer. It's not a short prayer, long prayer. An angel comes in. Kicks Peter, says, put your sandals, put your um, clothes on, grab your toilet paper. <laughs> you might need it. There's some crazy people out there. Um, the chains fall off. Peter gets up and he thinks he's having a vision, thinks he's having a dream. So he follows the angel out and, you know, they walk past the guards. And Peter's just wandering along. And then they, they walk, the gates open. Of course, it's a dream, you know, and he walks out the gates, he gets out onto the street, goes one street past the jail, 
angel disappears. Peter then comes to his senses and goes, it's not a dream. He was really switched on this dude. (laughs) This is the apostle Peter, you know. And so he then rushes to the house. Bang, 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 bang on the door. They're praying upstairs. Rhoda, this little servant girl, comes down and goes, who is it? And he goes, it's Peter. And she goes, that's Peter's voice. So she leaves him there, tears upstairs and goes to the group and says, Peter's downstairs. And they go, nah, you're out of your mind. You're crazy. These are the people that have just spent the whole night praying for Peter to be released. Now, this will mess with your theology because you're thinking, oh, no, but isn't faith the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen? But they were praying. They were asking. They were knocking. They were seeking. And God answered their prayer. Now, get this. The doors opened. The chains fell off. But the house door did not open. That had to be opened by a servant girl. That had to be opened by someone else. God did everything else, but there's still some things we need to press through on. Don't don't let your prayer life, don't let your faith be affected by what you some some momentary situations. Well, that doesn't make sense. God should have just opened up that door. No, 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 no. Well, why would God do that? No, no, no. Pray. Come on, activate your faith. Get your hope up. Oh, God's going to do something. I can tell you now, if you start activating some prayer life, activating your walk with in prayer and that. So then they come down and they said, no, no, Rhoda, it's his angel. It's his ghost. That's what you've seen. We, <laughs> you're only a servant, girl. We know what we're on about. We're praying here. They could believe that he died and was visiting them. Now he's in the spirit realm, but they couldn't believe that God would release them. But they kept Praying without ceasing. Now, I just want to finish up with this scripture. Oh, my goodness. Sorry, am I yelling? (laughs) I get pretty excited when I talk about things of God. So do some of you as well. I love it. You stir my faith. Matthew 7. This is in the Amplified um, Bible. And Matthew 7, 7. Really easy. Matthew 7, 7. Just remember those numbers. Seven's a good number to remember. It's the day I was born on. Everything godly was born on the 7th. Um, forgive me Lord that's, wh- that's why Herod died because they said a voice of a God not, a God not of a man and then he got eaten by worms immediately that's a bad case of tapeworms you know immediately maybe he had no toilet paper you know I don't know Matthew 7 7 keep on asking and it will be given to you keep on seeking and you will find keep on knocking reverently And the door will be open to you. For everyone who keeps on asking, notice that there's a word here, keep, keep, keep. Everyone who keeps on asking receives. And he who keeps on seeking finds. And to him who keeps on knocking, the door will be opened. And then it goes into saying, you know, that God is good. Because if if we're evil and we know how to give good gifts to our kids, then how much more our good, loving, righteous, glorious, majestic Father in heaven, how much more is He going to give us good gifts? And in other versions it says, and His Holy Spirit to those who ask. Jesus tells a story. I'm finishing up this. Oh, I'm sorry. I've gone 12 minutes over. This is really bad. I was getting so good on my timing. Um, Jesus tells this story that there's a judge that neither feared God nor feared man. He didn't, he didn't revere or recognize God 
or even respect man. But this woman came knocking on his door, this little widow who had no, she was vulnerable, she had nobody to stand up for her, but she kept knocking on the door and she said, defend me from my debtors, defend me from my debtors, defend me from my debtors. And he goes, go away, I don't fear God or you or any man, I don't respect God, I respect man and no, not you woman, get out of here, defend me from my debtors, defend me from my debtors, defend me. And Jesus is actually giving us a glimpse of how the kingdom of heaven works. What, because of nagging? No, ask and keep on asking. Knock reverently and keep on knocking. Seek and keep on seeking. And it says that that guy said, this woman is going to drive me crazy with her nagging. Therefore, I'm going to give her what she wants. And he protects her from her debtors. I want to tell you, start stirring up your faith. Start getting your hopes up. I don't know what it is that you're, you're looking for in your life at the moment. Or, or maybe you're thinking, I haven't prayed for something for a while or I'm praying for really petty things, start praying for your family. Start praying for your loved ones. Start praying for your workmates. Start praying for, for miraculous healing. We've got some people in the church, you know, one, I want to see people that, are, that have got blocked ears opened. I want to see people with eyes. I, want my, I don't want to wear glasses anymore. Rob, even though you give me really good glasses, I don't want to wear glasses anymore. Jesus said, in my name, you will open blind eyes, you will see deaf ears open, you will lame people to walk, and you will raise dead people. Now, why are we saying that we want to um, get you to pray for people at Life Group? Because if you can't lay hands on a live person, you're never going to lay hands on a dead person. So we want to give you the opportunity to, number one, guess, pray for people that are alive. You may have an authority in you that you've never seen before. Spirit of God's inside you. You're called by God. If you can stand, please stand with me. Ask and keep on asking. Knock and keep on knocking. Don't be limited by time. Don't be limited by things. And it doesn't mean, oh, I've got to go into my prayer closet and do it. No, you can do it driving in the car. You can do it while you're working on your tractor, John. You can do it while you're, I don't know, out in the field. You can do it while you're on your internet, Uncle Bruce. (laughs) He looks up things for me all the time on the internet, and he's so good at it. Holy Spirit, thank you, Holy Spirit, for your anointing here right now. Father, I thank you for the miraculous, that you are Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals us. But you are Jehovah Shalom, the God of ultimate peace. Holy Spirit, I just ask right now that you would move on each life. As I started with, I ask as I finish right now that your anointing power would come on each life here. Father, by your spirit, that you would activate that prayer warrior in each one of us, that we would take up our shield, our sword, our helmet, that we would gird ourselves up with the full armor of God, that we wouldn't be asleep and, and, and not aware of what's happening in this season and in this time. Father God, may your kingdom come in each life here. May your will be done in each life here, in each family, in each marriage, in each household, in each workplace. Father God, may your shalom peace be on each life. And may the miraculous anointing of the the impossible, possible God just be activated. Father God, have your way, have your way, have your way. Increase our faith, have your way, have your way. I agree on this and whoever agrees with me, let's agree together because then it's enacted by our Father in heaven. Lord, make it so. 
Have your way, Father God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining today. It would be so awesome to see you at church this Sunday. If you'd like to know more about service times or simply want to find out more about church, head to our website, riveredgechurch.com.au.